0: Going on, everybody. It is Sunday, April twenty fourth. We have a brand new episode of the Feed to Embiid tonight. Uh, I have my my, my buddy Brian Taporic of Bleacher Report. He is a quality editor at Bleacher Report. He writes about uh, monetary issues that I cannot comprehend at <laughs> Forbes and other NBA related issues <clears throat> at Forbes. He is also a father. He's had a long day, so I won't keep him too long. Brian, how are you doing today? I'm doing
1: well, Austin. How are you?
0: Not bad. Not bad. So the, the the first let me ask you this. If you were down three games to none, would you be wearing a flamboyant shirt <laughs> on the bench of for your new team? And would you play in game four?
1: Well, they were only down two games to none when he wore said shirt. So that might we'll we'll see tomorrow, I guess. What the uh, what the elimination
0: game fit is? Um, do, you, do you think he'll have like the Matrix glasses on again?
1: <laughs> Definitely. I mean, he, he. I think those are like. Remember Big Daddy? Am I dating myself right now? Yeah. But like the invisibility glasses. I think that's what Ben Simmons is going for.
0: That's right. Yeah. You know, for a minute, I thought I was the most hated man on Twitter, and now I realize that Ben Simmons is probably more hated than me. So, yeah, at I have, least I among know. Philly. <laughs> yeah. 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 But uh, it is, it's crazy. He was ready to come back for game three and it was game four. And now it's uh, well, like, what happens if they win game four? Just, He's not coming back. There's, back.
1: I, like, no, I, I mean, I said it as soon as they lost game three, that he wasn't coming back for game four. This was completely predictable. Like i what you're going to get one or two games out of him. Like it's not going to answer any big questions that you have about his fit with the team. You're not letting that influence your off season decision-making like, There's nothing, there's very little to gain here. And considering how Boston has owned him in the past, like for a guy who's who left his previous team because of his his struggles in the postseason and what you know how that affected him mentally, making him debut in an elimination game against a team that has owned him in the past is probably not a good recipe for his mental health.
0: I'm just imagining the Celtics are up by seven with like three minutes left and Ben is in the game and <laughs> they're like, well, wait a minute. We've just spent the entire night doubling Kevin Durant. We're exhausted. We def- we're up three Oh, let's just send him to the free throw line and yeah. do it that way. And Ben steps up to the line the knees wobbly <laughs> trying to hold a straight face and, and, and Barclays is cheering for him. And it's one after the other off the mark. And it's yep. like, it's like the, it's like the ugliest Papa shot loss you've ever seen. <laughs> um, you know, it, it's it's incredible. I personally think they're going to trade him this off season.
1: Ooh, that's spicy. I I have seen some like Ben Simmons for Gobert stuff floating around recently, yeah. which I I love, just for so many reasons. I kind of like that fit in Utah. That that would be pretty I- interesting. Like you could argue, it makes sense for both, especially if the if the Nets don't want to re-sign Claxton or Claxton gets priced out there. Like they, they would need a center at that point. Drummond has said, you know, they're not able to afford me this summer, so yeah. you could make yeah, a convincing funny. case.
0: But that like that is funny because like Drummond was like, "I'm at I'm out of here" before like they even yeah. got the playoffs. Like I'm <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you spent. Any amount of time around Kyrie Irving, would you not have the exact same reaction?
0: I probably would. I probably would. I, I, I love I love uh, the quotes coming out. If you want to see someone who's just like completely unself aware, it is oh absolutely cool. incredible
1: yeah. how after game three it was just like, oh, if only we had more time to
0: gel together.
1: Like, <laughs> Whose fault was that, bro? <laughs> and it
0: makes you wonder, like. How liked or disliked was he at Duke? He must have been hated. Everyone would, yeah. must have hated him. Um, but it's not a Nets podcast. This is a Sixers podcast. But I wanted to get some digs out of the way early. Yeah. Speaking of, of digs, uh, Nikola Jokic off the floor in crunch time tonight. That was <laughs> or, they had they had to take a timeout to get him back on the floor on offense because of something out on defense. That is unbelievable.
1: Their scheme of switching him onto Steph Curry was certainly a choice. Yes. Not a good one, <laughs> but it was a choice.
0: That's right. That's right. That said,
1: oh, yeah. you know, all slander aside, 37, 8, and 6 to stay off elimination. Yeah. On 14 to yeah he he was,
0: was outstanding. Like, incredible. Yeah. Um, but anyway, Sixers-Raptors. It, the Sixers lose game four. Game five is tomorrow night in Philly. Um First thing is first. Joel Embiid, they say, has well, an MRI says he has a, a, a torn ligament in his right hand. Doc did this thing today where he was like, he was like, yeah, confirmed what we thought it would, <laughs> and then we're like, right. we're like okay, so, so so like torn ligament. He's like, oh, I'm not gonna say that. And we're like, everyone else already said it. You can say <laughs> right. it. Okay. He's like, yeah, <laughs> you know. Um, <laughs> so he didn't, Doc didn't want to confirm it. Um, didn't want to like confirm exactly what the injury was, but more or less Joel Embiid has a torn ligament in his right thumb. Mm-hmm. Joel insists that it does not affect his shooting, but rather just his free throw um, and his passing and his rebounding. Um, what, of, what of that do you buy? I know that you're not a doctor. I know that Doc isn't a doctor. I do know that you're married to someone who, in the medical field. So yes. maybe she can provide cutting-edge insight into can, in, in, into what Joelle is going through. Maybe she's seen the MRI. I don't know. Uh, she has not. I've, I've been trying to
1: get them to leak it to her just so I know what he's dealing with. But no, we're, I think we're all flying blind here. We don't know exactly which ligament, My guess, would be the UCL. And, you know, by all accounts from the medical people that I've read who've written about this, they say, like, they're really – isn't a huge risk in terms of it worsening or of him like you know furthering the injury and needing surgery right away it's really just a matter of pain tolerance for him um i'm sure it is affecting all of the things he said i'm sure it's more difficult to grip a basketball when you have a torn ligament in your thumb uh that said i mean he's you know so at some point during game three is when he suffered that injury And he was miserable in the first half of game three, but then was absolutely dominant in the second half, hits the game winner in overtime. So, you know, like he has proven that he's able to play and play well with the injury. You know, it's a question of like, if someone slaps him in the hand early in the game, does he aggravate it in terms of like, you know, his threshold for pain? Like it might just hurt a lot if someone slaps down on it and he... (laughs) unfortunately is the type of player who is going to be drawing a ton of contact and trying to grab a bunch of rebounds contested, like right in the thick of it. So, you know, I, I, it certainly doesn't help their case to, you know, win a title this year, but I don't think it's like, we need to go into game five thinking, Oh God, this could be the last time we see Joel
0: Embiid play this postseason. Yeah. And I don't think that they were going to win the title this year anyway. So Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Right. So, um, I, I keep I, I keep harkening back to like and I think about what does this feel like times where I've played any kind of sport and I you get slapped on the hand on a, on a finger to be exact and it hits on the bone and for like three or four seconds you're like ah and it's a burning feeling right on that bone Pulsates for like a minute and then it goes away and you're like you're like all right that every time that thing gets hit or gets bent awkwardly or whatever it goes down or whatever there is gonna I'm assuming there's gonna be like a pulsing of just the blood rush to that part of his thumb and it's just going to hurt like hell. Um, he, he's got to play through it. And, that's the bottom line. I think there was probably some adrenaline in that game three that allowed him to make like an absurd shimmy shake base, uh, you know, the free throw line j- fading in with jumper and then the, the three at the buzzer to win the game. Mm-hmm. Um, but they got to get through the series. Um, you know, maybe cortisone is something they can look at. I don't know if that's even – I was—I would assume it's allowed in the NBA. I don't know. That's one of the drugs that they're getting. I think that should probably be fine. Um, I don't know how much you can even bandage it, where it's just like, this doesn't do anything for us. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think what it comes down to is everyone has injuries at this point, or everyone has is fighting something, and it's just who, who is going to be the team that can mentally separate themselves from being injured the most, mm-hmm. and it becomes a matter of like, are the Sixers mentally tough enough to separate themselves from that? And there, there are certain injuries where you just can't do it. Like you just can't, right. there are some like with a, like a torn ligament in your shooting thumb where you can, you know, you can mentally put that pain to the side and say, I've got to do this. And that's yeah. what Jamal has to do throughout the rest of this series. Uh, speaking of this series, so they, 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 they go up three Oh, uh, Need to spotlight Tobias Harris, who has yes. been absolutely nothing short of sensational uh yeah. through three games in this series. Defensively, uh, it's been otherworldly, like out, out of nowhere. I, I I thought he could be a net neutral, verging on net positive defender. I didn't think he could be what he's doing right now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, You know, you figure going into the series, the key, one of the big keys is how do we stop Pascal Siakam one-on-one? And you think, okay, Embiid is probably the best answer, and he's certainly gotten his time on Siakam, but Tobias has really held his own one-on-one against Siakam, and that's really opened up the floor for other guys to, you know, not have to double team him or, you know, I know he, Tobias got into foul trouble in game four, but like, he wasn't getting baited for most of this series as well. I don't have the specific matchup numbers in front of me, but I know Siakam was not shooting at a high percentage against yeah. Tobias one-on-one. And the other thing, I mean, you've pulled down almost 10 rebounds per game, and a lot of these have been contested. Like, this is one of the things that drove me up a wall with Tobias, especially this season. You know, the Sixers were such a lackluster rebounding team, and, and no it just it felt goes. like every time Tobias was going up for a contested rebound, he either got like out jumped or he would bobble it and it would go out of bounds. Like he has been killing it, which, you know, I, I wrote about this at Forbes like a month ago, basically um, when he was, it was early in the Harden era and he was struggling offensively. And my whole thing was like, look, man, we don't need you to isolate and post up anymore. Just catch and shoot on offense or like catch and make quick decisions And that's going to save your energy for defense. And, you know, Tobias said at some point this year, I think it was after game two, he said exactly that. Like, because Harden has absorbed so much of the half-court creation responsibility on offense, he doesn't need to work that hard. He's just running around and, like, you know, standing around the perimeter most of the time, ready to catch. And he's actually catching and shooting, which is a nice change. And then because of that, he has more energy to devote on defense. And he knows – I've got to do the little things like I'm I'm 180 a million dollar role player right now. And that's OK, because that's the role that they need me to
0: play. So it sounds like what you're saying is you've abandoned any hope that he will become what Waka Flocka said he'd become the next LeBron James. He yes,
1: made- I, I, I think that the, the ship has sailed. But you know what? Like it, I was talking about this with someone today. Like you just have to if you divide his contract and Tyrese Maxey's contract over the next two years. There you go. It's like forty million between the two of them. That's reasonable. I'm happy to pay that amount of money for both of them combined.
0: Thanks, one of us. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: I, did, I didn't say where the money was allocated. I'm just right. saying. <laughs> uh,
0: uh, Thirty-five to uh, yeah,
1: right, right, to,
0: right. right. To, 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 to Maxi. We'll get to him in a minute. But just some numbers on, on what Tobias has been doing. And I think like the biggest thing for Tobias is number one. Siakam's bag is not really that incredibly deep. Like he has the spin move uh, that he likes to get to when he overcommits to one side of the, of the floor and then he'll spin back the other way. But that like pestery little like fifteen foot jumper where he he'll be out of the post and he'll quickly turn and, and and pivot and lift his knee up to create a little bit of space and then he'll shoot that. That's been money uh, for for him. But I think like, Tobias, large part, whether it's been Gary Trent Jr., whether it's been Siakam he's beat guys to spots with quick choppy feet and he's been able mm. to get to that spots before they could get the spots and inherently that's cutting off driving angle. So they're not able to get around him and he's been recovering well back to when they try to counter and, and go a different way. Um, his hands have been active, but they haven't been like out baiting fouls. He's mm. been absolutely awesome defensively for the, for this team. And he's as big of a reason they're up three to one as anyone is, um, not named Joel Embiid in the series.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, after game two, it was pretty easy to say Maxi has been their second best player. Like, yeah. now through game four, you can certainly make a case that Tobias has been their second best player over the, the full scope of the series, which is something, you know, if you told me that going into the series, I'd be like, wow, the, so the Sixers got swept.
0: <laughs> And the, and the, mar- the average like margin was like 38 points. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, here's a, here's a, here's some numbers for you. So I decided to look at, okay, what is the defensive rating with Tobias on the court look like when Joel is not there and Fibel is not there. basically mm-hmm. uh, how much, how, how much of Tobias impact is not covered by the fact that there's another wing defender there or a rim protector to, 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 to recover up the mistakes. Um, And in the 14 minutes that Tobias has played without Joel and Matisse, uh, I hope you're sitting down for this. I'm ready. Uh, The Sixers are plus 54.84 per 100 (laughs) 100 possessions. They have an offensive rating. And this part, I'm thinking, might not be sustainable. This is the part that I think might not be sustainable. Offensive rating of 174.07. Defensive rating of 119.23. So
1: oh. <laughs> the defensive <laughs> rating isn't even good. It's just they are nuking them on offense. Okay. So everything's going well. Everything's going yeah. really
0: well with Tobias in the court. It must be everybody else besides him that's just messing everything up. Yeah, Um, quick, quick. um Now, granted, at, at any minute that it's not Joel, it's obviously Paul Reed. So there's a lot of right. things going on, of craziness. Um, let's go over to James Harden. Yeah. It's been an up-and-down series, I think. For, for, for James. Um, and, you know, I, I still think, like, people get so lost in the... He's not the James Harden of Houston days. Okay, but that hard that that Harden's one in, one in a billion. Like, that Harden was a one-man first-round floor. Like, that man was carrying an entire team by himself. That guy is gone. You don't need him to be that guy, though. So, if mm-hmm. he can be James Harden that gets you 20, 22, 24, and you know, 12 and makes really good decisions in crunch time um, and gets the ball up the court and sees plays that no one else on the team can see. There's inherently a lot of value in that, regardless if he's not pumping the box score figures.
1: Yeah. I mean, he <laughs> absolutely destroyed the Raptors in the first two games as yeah. a passer. You can question the, the Raptors defensive scheme against him in those first two games. And they certainly would. And they've made their adjustments correctly so in games three and four, uh, you know, they're more willing to let him try to beat them as a scorer because, you know, that that the burst sometimes is there, but like more often than not, he's still struggling to beat guys off the dribble. So the last thing you want to do is send two guys to him and leave someone wide open because he's got the vision that he's going to see that guy. And, you know, more often than not, if he's kicking it out to Tyrese, Tobias, Danny Green, George and Yang, those guys are probably going to knock down those shots more often than not. So, you know, I, I think the Raptors are smart to be prioritizing like, okay, let's just stick to our guy. And you know, if Harden beats us, let's, let's just see, let's see if it's one of those nights where he's got it. He's got a lot of bursts. He can get to the rim. He can draw free throws. If that's the case, maybe we change midstream, but For now, like the last thing we want to do is give up a ton of wide open threes, which we did in those first two games. So, but then again, you're right. Like, you know, in game four when Embiid didn't have it in the first half, and Harden did try to carry the team on his back more than he had in the first few games. Like, that's when you need the Harden of old on nights where Embiid is struggling. But more often than not, Embiid's going to be going, or Maxi's going to be going, or Tobias is going to have a good stretch for a quarter or so. So you're right. You don't need you know 30 points per game from James Harden for him to have a positive impact on this team.
0: Yeah, and and I, and I think like <clears throat> everyone made a big deal out of Harden's finishing at the rim. He's generally been pretty good at the rim this, this series. I mean, mm. I, I will. I think his rim numbers are probably a little bit deflated by the fact that he doesn't get it doesn't always get a whistle. Like there's a lot of contact on him that isn't called because he gets to the rim so much because he as of his reputation as a foul grifter uh, you know, because he's slowed down a little bit. It's it makes the contact look a little less egregious when he has beaten guys off the dribble and really put defenses like in, in a position where they have to cater to him. He's gotten contact at the rim um, and he's had some really nice finishes this series. So I think that was probably a little bit overblown. The thing that, has been most encouraging to me. Like Fred Van Vliet is undersized as undersized as he is, is still a really good defender, and that he has a low center of gravity. He can get mm-hmm. under, he can get under you and really bother you and make it hard for you to dribble. Um, and they've had no problem like going the guard guard pick and roll yep. with Maxi or whomever, and ha- and getting the switch for Harden, and then Harden going to work and he's beaten guys off the dribble throughout the series. There's been some times when he hasn't. Um, and he's made quick decisions to kick the shooters instead. I think, by and large, Harden has done a really good job of, of identifying opportunities to go and going and then asserting himself. Like in Game Three, when they were down 17, or when you know Joel was on the bench, Harden got to the rim at will, like a like a, like a bunch of times. And he you know he didn't shoot the ball. You know he, his his three point shooting hasn't quite hit yet, um, and it was a little bit better in in, in Game Four. Um but still like I I think overall he's he is to this team and can be to this team in the future if he decides to take his body seriously and not party at the while it till three a.m. Um <laughs> and be to this team what Chris Paul is to the Suns.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean that's that is the hope moving yeah. forward. And you know you can question is that worth 270 million dollars and we'll find out this summer like there's, you know hopefully they can talk him down and like get him on slightly less than the max and you know use the hey Tyrese is coming up for a new deal soon and if you know you want to keep Matisse around like it's gonna get expensive we're gonna price get someone's gonna get priced out at some point so if you can appeal to him that way and you can get him down a little under that 270 number great but yeah I mean I'm I think his playmaking alone like their offense is night and day compared to where it was before the Harden trade. And you know, it, that is a large credit to him. It's like, there's no coincidence that Tyrese Maxey has been as efficient, as effective as he is playing next to Harden and Tobias Harris has finally been unlocked in, you know, probably the best month long stretch that he's had as a sixer. Like this, yeah. this did not just start during this series. He's been, he was playing pretty well, you know, really for the last month or so. And again, it's a testament to Harden. So like, yeah, I, you know, the, the concern is more, what's he going to look like in three years? And as you said, does he take his body seriously? Does he take his conditioning seriously? Does he go vegan like Chris Paul? We, we just won't know the answer, but I'm, you know, I'm hoping that, being on a team of this caliber, playing next to a Joel Embiid in his prime and a Tyrese Maxi who's only going to get better, will give him that extra sense of motivation of like, okay, I can actually win a title with this group. I'm gonna, you know, do everything in my power to make it happen.
0: So fast forward two years from now, and there's a the Sixers social team puts a picture up of Tyrese carrying a big box on the two big boxes in the plane, and everyone's like, "What is it? What, what's in those boxes?" And he's like, "Oh." This is two hundred wings. 50, 50, of, fifty of them are burned. For, those are for Joel. Sure, the one, other one hundred fifty are covered in, in, in barbecue sauce. And those are for Jim. Yeah,
1: right.
0: I mean, we thought he would be Now he didn't go vegan. No. He lied. <laughs> <laughs> so it, 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 it's going to be it's, it's going to be a franchise defining, of at least for this era, a, mm-hmm. a franchise defining decision. What they do with the contract, I think ultimately. He'll be back, of course, because I think, like, I I think he likes it here. I mean, the picture uh, last night of Joel, you know, putting his arms around both Tyrese and James, and James grabbing him on on the knee, it is going to be something that it could be, it could age very terribly. Um, and I think you have to hope that Harden can age a little bit more gracefully than what it appears he, he has. And we could all be like completely just like overrating how you know bad he looks or how concerned you know the sixers should be like maybe he spends a a summer with simon rice and he comes back looks like he's 27 again and then everything's saved everything's great again who knows in which case Simon, in which case simon rice gets the extension not james
1: uh (laughs) (laughs) i mean nate jones of goodwin sports has been hammering that point lately on twitter like hamstring injuries linger and you know Chris Paul had one that lingered for more than a year as well and everyone thought he was cooked and everyone had these same discussions like oh my god Chris Paul on a four-year max deal what a it's gonna be one of the worst contracts in the NBA and I mean they, you know <laughs> at his last stop Daryl Morey traded Chris Paul plus multiple draft picks for Russell Westbrook and everyone thought the Rockets got the best end of that deal which in retrospect is comical because Chris Paul has been fantastic and you know is spearheading a potential championship team. Um so yeah, if if this full off season, you know, that would be the one silver lining, I guess, to the Sixers getting knocked out earlier in the playoffs. Is like in theory, that's more time for James to get right ahead of next season.
0: We're just gonna see an Instagram post of like James and Simon Rice and like uh Indonesia. And they're gonna be like <laughs> some sort of like like meditation. And yeah, and Simon's gonna be like, "We fixed him. His hamstring is great." <laughs> he goes back, and he's like the MVP of the league. It's gonna be, it's, it's gonna be exactly how I drew, drew it up right there. Um, I, I hope so. I certainly <laughs> hope so. Now, do you think he's gonna pick up the opt-in?
1: It, I, it honestly doesn't matter all that much. Like, I mean, I guess we'll see how they structure the deal and if they go much below the Full 270, but it's like it, it's a matter of a couple hundred thousand dollars whether he goes. Actually, I mean, I guess I haven't run the numbers, we'll see what the cap uh comes in at because it, it got bumped up to 122 was the latest projection. So, if uh, no, I guess it's not going to matter though because his salary is above anyway. So, no, it's like I think three hundred thousand dollars is the difference between if he if he does. Picks up the option, does a four-year extension, he earns slightly more money. But if he just becomes a free agent, um, yeah, it's like 300000 less. No team has enough salary cap, cap space to sign him outright this summer. No, At the size of his salary, no team is a real threat to pull off a sign-in trade for him. And then yeah. even if they did, he would only get a four-year deal instead of five. So like, there's he has no leverage in terms of Oh, well, you know, if you don't give me a full five year max, I'm going to leave and sign with Detroit. It's like, all right, cool. Have,
0: have fun. Like, we don't believe it. Win. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. I mean, do you ever just like forget to pick up your $47 million option? Do you ever just forget to do that? Like, sometimes you know, I'll pick the mail or I forgot to take the trash out, but I have never once. Forgotten to pick up my forty million dollar option. Granted, I've never gotten the opportunity to pick up a forty million dollar
1: option. I was gonna say, yeah, like give me that chance, and I'll, I'll give you the answer after that.
0: <laughs> Dropping everything to sign that. that sign yeah, facts that, fax yeah. that the, of the office. Um, so Fred Van Vliet goes down in in in, in game four, um, and he he does the thing where he tears the jersey. I gotta say, that's an incredibly risky move on national TV because. What if you fail? What if the jersey <laughs> then you have a worse problem because then you look-, you look weak? Yeah, that's a bold move by him. Yeah, and uh, you, you know, know I- he's questionable for game five, so we'll see. But to me, that was like, okay, Scotty Barnes is playing pretty well, but like probably on one leg. Mm-hmm. Van Vliet just tore his jersey off, there's no more jerseys left in the arena. And, you know, he's out of the game forever with 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 with, with 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 the hip flexor. Is it a bad omen to you that they don't win that game? I mean,
1: it's disappointing in the sense that they could have really used some rest to, like, spare Joel Embiid any wear and tear with that thumb injury. Especially knowing that, you know, Atlanta wound up winning that game and pushing that series to five. Although it looks like it's probably going to be over in five. So they're not. They're not going to buy themselves a ton of rest anymore, but no, I mean, like we saw it today with the nuggets too. It's really hard to completely sweep a team. And when you get up three, Oh, it's easy to let go of the rope a little bit. I think we saw that in game four, especially, you know, 2 PM tip. They got frustrated by the officiating as Joel Embiid's golf clap at the end of the game suggested. So, you know, there were a lot of things going against them. Um, like I'm not panicked. I don't, like, you know, I'm not going to say the Sixers are going to be the first team in NBA history to blow a 3-0 lead in the series. I think <laughs> it very likely is over tomorrow night. Um, you know, as as frustrating as the Matisse-Thibel situation was for games three and four, the bright side is Matisse-Thibel is going to have very fresh legs coming into game five in a series where everyone on both sides is really beat up. Tobias Harris got shaken up and in game four uh you mentioned scotty barnes he like sprained his ankle twice in game four but still limped his way through it like i imagine van vliet plays tomorrow but how effective he can be i don't know especially on defense and they've already been targeting him on that end of the floor um and now they have you know they've they've seen what the team looks like when they just have one healthy guard in gary trent so they you know the raptors went to this like five forward lineup where every guy was between six, seven and six, nine. And that's a lineup where they really missed a guy like Matisse. who but
0: Ironically, you know, that was the lineup to be <laughs> the same.
1: Right. Right. But I, you know, I mean, that's a ton of size and it, it, like, you're not going to have as much ball movement in that group. So it's, you know, Pascal Siakam was just individually destroying, um, especially George Yang has struggled a lot defensively in this series. So having Matisse in there as just one other option to throw out when, you know, Danny was cold in game Four, George was getting crushed on D like it, when Tobias got in foul trouble, they're like, Oh, I guess, I guess we're going back to Danny, even though he can't hit a shot right now. So like I, it's, it's disappointing. It's frustrating, but it's, you know, it's the playoffs. It's really hard to sweep a team. And if you told like, Go back a week when, you know, everyone was thinking like, oh, this thing's going to least six. And like a lot of people, myself included, picked the Raptors to win this series. Yeah. If yeah. you told me after four games, they'd be going home th- up 3-1 with a chance to close it out in five, I'd be elated with that outcome.
0: Yeah. Do you think, well, so you said that George New has had a lot of trouble this series. Mm-hmm. I'd venture to say he's had a lot of trouble defensively this career, maybe even this last yeah. Do um, yeah. you think he would win an MVP in like a rec league? I think he probably. I think. He, I think he would be the guy. Like he's hitting. Like he's catching. He's pump faking. He's sidestepping threes, and he's just like hitting these forty foot bombs. I think. Yeah. I think D-Man would be that guy, who's just like he fits in at your beer pong party. He fits <laughs> in uh, any kind of casual get together. Goes to rec league games, scores forty, wins MVP. Um, but he ain't. I mean. Having having been in attendance for all 41 games and watched all 41 on, on on TV, I can confidently say, no one can put together a good defensive sequence like him, and then still have the guy drain a ridiculous shot over him mm-hmm. As, mm-hmm. as as the shot clock expires. Like he's the king of that kind of like like back breaking. I tried so hard, I played so well, I defended yeah. my, my ass off, and I still got got butchered so
1: right or like yeah you defend well for 21 seconds and then you make a dumb either like reach or you know commit a foul like a late foul and you're just like god why like just let him shoot that off balance 18 footer it's okay
0: yeah and it's funny um i i i, I, the I was like remember at the beginning of the year like 10 games in when he was posting people up and he was like yeah taking like Dame Willard to the weight room and like getting and ones at the rim and like, just, like, like finishing through contact. I was like, where did this guy go? Like, or uh, was that t- <laughs> the Blazers were so, or, we didn't realize it at, at that time, but the Blazers were heading towards being that bad. Is probably where, yeah. It's probably where it's probably the more the reality of the situation, but like, yeah. my God, how long ago was that? Well, and they just didn't have a point
1: guard. That was still like very early in Tyrese's actual starting point guard career, and he was, you know, much more up and down at the very beginning of the season than he is right now. So, yeah, they were just trying to manufacture easy buckets, however they could, and somehow George Nyang post ups. That's where we landed.
0: Tyrese had so the games three and four they like kind like he, he gets the ball more. Once hard and fouls out, we had a couple of great buckets in overtime. I mean, yeah. he, he was as much of a reason they were in the position to, to, to win the game as as they were. Um, game four, they go away from him a lot. Games one and two, I will tell you, there there's nothing like being in the building when he goes off. Like, because with our angle, the way we are in, in the media section, we're kind of be- behind a stanchion. So when the Sixers are shooting on the basket where the away bench is in the second half, if they're shooting by like the coach's box, it's very hard to see. Mm, So you you have to kind of just wait for the ball to go in the air. Like, Oh, that's a shot.
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) uh, When Tyrese in game one gets the ball back from shake and just says, I'm going to let this catch. I'm just going to catch him go in this. like, Like he had already taken the game over pretty much. And, we're just like sitting there. And we're like watching. We're, like, I wonder what's going to happen now. And all of a sudden, you see Tyrese. Like, you see the ball go up. We're like, like, no, he didn't do that. <laughs> and, it and the entire building explodes. And the and and and, and the 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 floor under your feet are, are is just is shaking. Like, you're like, is this an earthquake? Did this kid did this kid have that kind of Greek god power where he could make a shot and there's an earthquake that ensues because of it? I mean, he is electric in every facet yeah. of, the, of of the game. And yeah. it made, and that's why it made such little sense to me yesterday when they went away from him, like they didn't do much to get to, like he was more of so of the third guy who was a role player than he was the th- the third head of the beast. And it was a lot of catching and shooting, or I'm going to catch an attack, close out and get in, in, in touch the paint and kick or whatever. But I think they need to get back to where he is another ball handler. And the offense Mm -hmm. is running through him because no one can stay in front of him. And he's either going to hit a three or he's going to get right to the basket or he's so strong now that he's powering through contact.
1: Yeah. I mean, I will say it seems like the Raptors have been switching Siakam and OG onto him more in games three and four. And I think that's a smart adjustment. Like you're right. No one's going to, no one has the speed to keep up with him, but they have the size to, at least prevent him from using that speed as effectively as he did in games one and two. Uh, Again, like a lot comes down to Van Vliet in game five. If he's on the floor, you know, he was already dealing with a knee injury and I think it was his right knee if memory serves correctly. Now he's got a left hip injury. So like, I would guess he is not going to be moving laterally very well on defense. So yeah, I think he's going to be, you know, he's going to have a big red target on his back. And they're going to run a lot of Maxie Harden pick and rolls as well. They should. That has been a really effective play for them throughout the series. And whichever one of them gets on Van Vliet, it's go time. Especially yeah. like, I can't imagine the Raptors are going to put Van Vliet in that action. Like I would guess if anything, maybe they put him on Danny Green just to, you know, like dare to. Yeah. Like you're going to chase him around. Sure. But you like of the, Five choices in the sixer starting lineup give Danny Green a somewhat contested to even open three pointer is probably your best bet just because the other four is so dangerous.
0: Yeah. And we uh all season well I'll say I'll say we, but common theme all season was like writers, myself included, being like, Is Tyrese taking enough risk as a passer? Because he's, mm-hmm. he's not mm-hmm. turning the ball over at all. And he's just making a simple same side of the court reads, not really making long out-of-the-roll cross-court BBs to a shooter in the weak side corner. Um, and I I haven't seen a ton of that. I don't think enough that is registered in my mind that he's doing it. But in this in this series, he has twice had at least six assists. He had 11 points, six rebounds, six assists in game four. He had twenty three points, nine rebounds, eight assists in game two, so that's almost triple double. Like, he he's chosen to blossom a little bit, ever so slightly, as a passer, only in just the 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 most critical environment he could have all season. So, the kid is fearless, um, and if he grew the rate that he's growing he might be just the greatest player of all time by the end of this, year. <laughs> I, at this trajectory. Yeah. I, I think
1: he will probably plateau at some point before that, but you know, the, the Sixers and Daryl have said like, he's already defied our expectations twice now. And it's, it, I mean, I, I'm sure everyone listening saw the Tim Bontem story yesterday with like some of the, the uh, stats they pulled out in there are just outrageous. Like it, it just, defies all belief i like i remember on draft night last year you know daryl was talking about like yeah well we know he didn't shoot well at kentucky but he had a he had a better track record and we're gonna like in high school and on the you know the A U circuit or whatever. And we're going to like buy into that. We think that Kentucky shooting was a bit fluky, but like, there's no way they thought he was going to be a 43% shooter when he's doing like sidestep and step back threes in his second season. There's just absolutely no way. Uh, And you know, the Raptors learned the hard way, just how like you can sell out to stop Joel Embiid and and James Harden. But if Tyrese Maxey is able to do that, like it's just, there are too many holes to plug.
0: Yeah. I think they were like, you know, if you can make like 33% by year two, like, we'll, 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 we'll be, a, we'll be cool with that. Yeah, and He's like, like no, nah, I'm going to like take these 35 footers and sidestep over Tyler hero and like single handedly win games for this team without Embiid playing. Like I'm, I'm cool with that. You guys have your projections. I, I'm, I'm just going to go up. I'm, I'm just going to increase my percentage by 13% in year two. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. okay. <laughs> okay. That works. Yeah. Um, Gee, so so it's out. So, I, I don't, I'm, I guess, having watched the Sixers for so many years now, mm-hmm. it's it, this is more telling of my past experience with the Sixers than anything else. But it sounds <laughs> like you don't think they're going to be the first team to blow a 3 0 lead and lose.
1: <laughs> I hope not. I don't think any of us are going to be on Twitter for a while if they are. And, you know, never say never with Doc Rivers, but I, I also like Doc has not done a bad job in this series i mean
0: yeah
1: yeah, like game three especially calling that time out pro- like that is probably the difference between them going back to philly tied 2-2 and actually in like uh-oh yeah uh versus you know going up to in the series and feeling pretty good so um <laughs> i did see the quote of his yesterday that was getting aggregated where he's talking about like, you know, everyone's so banged up. It's just going to be Nick nurse and me going one-on-one by the end of the series. And people were thinking it was like him talking about their coaching prowess. <laughs> Which, <laughs> like, no, he, he literally, he meant physically. He thought literally he would be playing. I mean, that's Nick nurse. And as a former NBA player, he probably has the leg up in there. Um, Yeah. I mean, I think the Van Vliet injury and Scotty, like if Scotty comes back and is somehow fully healthy. I just can't imagine that's going to be the case because, you know, you're already dealing with an injury, then you injure the ankle on top of that. Like, I, I, I just think he's going to be hobbled at, to some extent. If Embiid can, you know, resemble even 80% of his usual self, you have the home crowd tomorrow, hopefully, you know, they can get (laughs) less frustrated by the officiating. Like have Nick Nurse be the whiny one after the game. I think it's over in five. If it's not, then you start to get nervous because Toronto is going to be going home, having one, two straight. The crowd is going to be absolutely bananas. And that's a game seven. And like, that's that's just a one game. So I I understand why fans are nervous, but no, the Sixers did blow this team out in both home games so far this series. So I think you have to, I would be surprised if it's a blow. I don't think it's going to be like a 25 point, you know, run away with this thing by the third quarter, but I think the series is over tomorrow. I hope the series is over tomorrow.
0: (laughs) All I will say is they've been the better team through like 3.75 games of this series. Now is not the time to forget that you were the better team through 3.75 games and get away from everything that you did. Um, I, I will say that it would be only the Sixers could yeah could, yeah. could, could be that team to to, and, to to do that. And only After, Doc Rivers. Yeah. And I think at that point would you ask Pop that question? I think I'd have to ask Pop. That question. <laughs> <laughs> oh, someone how, would. I don't know how you don't ask Pop that question. Right, <laughs> um, right. leave um, it to Tim Bontemps. That's fine. I, that's right. I'll set the back the sign and just like yeah, just yeah, yeah. The, the my way. Um. So looking ahead, assuming that they do win in fire, then it all goes swimmingly, and there's no, you know, need for heart palpitations or, you know, consultations with therapists. And they play the heat in, in, in the next round. I was having this discussion today. Mm-hmm. How would you rank the six best players in that series? He, yeah. I'll, I'll let you go first. Okay. We may maybe we'll maybe we'll have the same rankings. Maybe we won't, but I'll let you go first.
1: Yeah, this this is a really good question. And I as soon as you sent it to me, I was like, oh man, this is actually a lot tougher like than you would think right off the bat. Because Joel Embiid even with a thumb injury, is the best player in the series. He's going to be probably the runner-up for MVP the second straight year. It, like, With all due respect to Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, whoever, Joel Embiid's the best player. Yeah. Butler and Harden two years ago would not have been close. Now I think I go Butler just... It's close, but I'm going Butler number two. I go Harden three. Bam Adebayo four. And then... Which version of Kyle Lowry are we getting? I think is the question. if, if it, we're to remove injuries from the equation because he's dealing with this hamstring injury that forced him to miss game four. If he's healthy, it's between him and Maxi for five and six in some order. Like I, I defer to Lowry's exp- like big game experience and just overall track record and go him five, Maxi six, and then Tobias seven. I think Tobias is clearly like of the, the fourth best player on each team he's very clearly the fourth best or the better of the fourth best players um but yeah i mean you know a year from now it wouldn't surprise me if i would have maxi over lowry and as we said earlier if harden goes vegan or whatever fixes his hamstring up like maybe he's over butler again too so it's it's gonna be you know assuming all goes well assuming they do meet up it's gonna be a good hard fought series i actually said coming into toronto i act i I could be totally off here, but I had more faith in them against Miami than I did Toronto. So that's now... exactly
0: what I said too.
1: Exactly okay, good. All right. So we we could both be really wrong.
0: Yes, we we could both be dangerously wrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I so obviously I think Joel's the best player in the series. The Butler Harden thing is a lot closer. And I and I think you nailed it. Like like a year or two years ago, it's no question Harden's a better player. Um, Even like even last season, because he was in the MVP conversation for a period of time. um, I think now I'm going Butler by like a hair, like an eyelash hair. Like mm-hmm. I think Harden's a much better passer, way more intuitive and capable score across three levels. But I think when push comes to shove, the butler can do like can fill up the box score, obviously. And he's like a very intuitive help defender and can just kill you in the passing lanes. I think in that sense I give him the edge. Um and then Harden's right behind him, obviously. Then you have so this is where I get a little crazy. Oh, oh, uh-oh. Are we sure? I think there's no question that Maxie's better than... Be, be, no no question in mind, Maxie's better than Lowry. There's no question mm. that point. I think right now, Lowry's like a very average player. Maybe maybe above average, but like not the player he was two, three years ago, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah.
0: Maxie, I think, blows him out of the water. Is... Are we sure that oh, Maxi is oh, not boy. better than Bam Metavio? Offensive- right now, offensively, I think Maxi's way better than Bam. Sure, and I think defensively, Bam is way better than Maxi. The question, right. is, <laughs> the question is, this,
1: is: Is this the Jokic MVP uh, and MVP discussion all over again?
0: I hope not, <laughs> but <laughs> I. I, I Cause like every like I'll be listening to a podcast and I'll I'll be like I'll have like I'll have my own thoughts independently like these are the thoughts that I have in the shower like when I'm falling asleep I'm like no nah, these are crazy like don't like you're being an idiot then I'll hear Zach Lowe or someone else say that and I'm like I wasn't nuts I was right the whole time so I don't like like maybe I'm overthinking it I'm not sure that Maxi is not a better offensive player than Bam is defensive player.
1: I mean, Bam was in like actual Defensive Player of the Year conversation this I year. Okay. I, I, I think he might be. So it's like it. it will be closer in a year. I think, so, I, like, okay, if, as Maxi continues to develop, like, I'm super high on the kid as well. But I don't think he's quite there yet. I think really the only thing he's better than Bam at right now is scoring. Bam's a better rebounder. They're even better if not. Too.
0: Better name. Like Bam is a Bam is a sure. cooler name than Tyrese.
1: Sure. Right, what? right. Like I mean, even or Bam is a better passer, but like Maxie doesn't have a huge advantage in that. And if whatever. Like, I don't care which way you go in that department. Bam's, I mean, he is the reason Miami's defense is as dominant as this. Um, you know, I like Maxie is a great individual player, but I I just think because Bam has such a wide-ranging impact on Miami. Whereas, like, you could remove Maxi from the Sixers, and they would still be pretty good. If you remove Bam from the Heat, they're a fringe playoff team, probably.
0: Yeah, fair enough. Okay. So we'll give Bam the edge. So that means I would have Joel, Jimmy by a thread, I forget the James Harden. Hard. Hard. <laughs> um, uh, Bam, Maxi. You know, I gotta tell you, I'm really that high on Tyler Hero. I don't get it. Like, like, yeah, like, like, if he, I think he's their best shot creator, mm-hmm. and that gives me tremendous concern because I don't see him as this elite, high level shot creator. That no, he's not. Yeah, so that gives me a lot of pause. I'm probably going to go with Tobias after Lowry over Hero, over Hero. And then from there, I think Miami has better depth, so they would mm-hmm. the edge in the series. Yeah. But I I think that series probably goes seven.
1: Yeah. It feels – I was, like, trying to think through who matches up with who. Like, if we're just – I mean, there's going to be switching throughout. But, like
0: – And zone. A lot of zone. Yeah.
1: Oh, ton of zone for both teams, probably. Um,
0: Danny Green sneakily becomes the guy that wins the series for the Sixers with just. He's gonna set his own. He's gonna break his own record <laughs> for threes made in the playoff series. <laughs> I
1: I hope so. Yeah, I mean, like I'm assuming they go Lowry on Maxi, Tucker probably starts on Harden or Butler starts on Harden and Tucker on Tobias, then Struess on Danny and and on Embiid, and then. Do you put Maxi on Lowry? Do you put Harden on Tucker? Because that's probably the best place he can hide. He's just going to stand in the corner. He can save some energy. Tobias on Butler, Green on Struz. Like maybe it's just you know you, a guy who's guarding you, you guard that guy, and it's more straightforward than I think. But there there is a lot of mismatch potential on both sides. Um, I know Lewis Zatman uh, had a piece on uh, five thirty eight earlier this week about just switching defenses in general and how, you know, Philly and Toronto were uh, really high in that regard in this series. Well, Miami is even higher. So I think we're going to see a lot of what we've already seen in that Miami series um, or sorry, in the, in the Raptors series, we'll see that against Miami as well. I don't think Miami, you know, they will watch the first two games of the Raptors series and they will watch games three and four and be like, Oh, Okay. We're not going to send help at James Harden, so they're not going to make that same mistake. Uh, but you're right; the half court creation uh, could be a concern for Miami. So I'm really interested to see how it plays out. Like withstand, notwithstanding all of the, James Butler was a former 76er, and you know the the fan bases are going to be absolutely venomous, toxic cancer oh, to no. each other on Twitter.
0: It's gonna be. Like, I get my quotes. I get my stories out, and then I throw my phone into in, into the school uh, river because I can't touch Twitter.
1: There's gonna be like, I'm not gonna name names of who needs to delete their account, regardless of which team wins. But like, there are ma- major. I don't know if it's right to call them like media, major people with a lot of Twitter followers on both sides. One of them is going to have to go like just radio silent for a month. I can this, edit seriously. this
0: all out of the podcast, by the way. So you don't have to.
1: Worry about it. <laughs> I'm, I'm still not naming names because I don't want to speak it into existence before it happens. But if the Sixers do win, I will be among those just quote tweeting someone into like the center of the earth.
0: I will say, I've been disappointed, I'd say, in the way that. I think a lot of local medias have handled their own teams this season. Mm. Like the Nets media, I think has been awful. Like they've yeah. been terrible. Yeah. Um, and a lot of the, I think like, a lot of the, just like with, with the, with the prevalence of blogs now covering sports in a in-person environment, the same way a newspaper would like you, you have kids there, you know, in, in the same environment that a, a hard headed, you know, uh guy for the daily news would be. But mm. I, I, been this season i've been very much like what are we doing (laughs) (laughs) we are caping for Kyrie irving's personal choice that's right that's right and Uh, it worked
1: out so well for them
0: that's right all i know is if they play the heat for the sake of 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 keeping james focused there needs to be a hard shuttle from the plane through the airport to the hotel (laughs) to the arena (laughs) There will be there will be absolutely no stoppages on South Beach. There will be mm-hmm. no Collins Boulevard or Club Live. There'll be forget all of that. None of those places exist in in, yeah. in this series. You're going you're you're gonna go straight to each of the destinations. American Airlines or whatever the <laughs> hotel team bus plane home. You will be a given an. Ex- you will get be given a company expense card to treat yourself and the <laughs> mini bar. That is Oh,
1: it. I was, was going to say that could be really dangerous. <laughs> like, that
0: is it. You get only what the mini bar offers. Okay, okay yeah. You, if it's only the
1: mini bar, like what? Otherwise, I think James Harden might get arrested at some point that's, in that series.
0: Yeah, we we. There will be no extra stoppages.
1: Just lie to him and say all of the COVID protocols are back in effect. There's been a huge surge in cases and now you can't leave your hotel room. That's, That's just, right. we've we bubbled again. It's, it's, and then two weeks later, if they survive that series, it's like, oh, cases are dropping, bubble's over.
0: Oh, what do you know? COVID's over. <laughs>
1: yeah. Oh, you're in Milwaukee now? That's fine. You Have fun. Go to town.
0: In fact, you know, better yet, let's just let's actually do it. Let's just put the bubble in effect. We'll, right. we'll, we'll bubble exclusively Philly all the way to Miami and nowhere else in between. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Brian, you got any pieces coming out soon? Uh
1: I don't I wasn't planning on doing anything until after this series is wrapped. I'm already starting on a Sixers Heat preview, so I really hope that both teams can follow through and not make me waste half of the pieces I've already written.
0: I haven't started my previews yet for the next series. Cause I want to make sure that yeah. actually, yeah, are. yeah. I know. <laughs> I got like
1: 500 words in. And I was like, wait a second.
0: <laughs> Should sixes, I? These are the sections we're talking about. There's nothing there, there. There is no, are we sure yet until it's actually over?
1: I know. I know. But I, I do have some off season stuff already planned. I did write, uh, I I'm curious to see how Matisse responds tomorrow. Cause I did write about him coming into the playoffs and like, it's the big summer for him he's up for an extension this could be you know assuming they do get past this round next series could be a big one for him going against especially butler um or hero for that matter like this is his last chance to prove that he's worth a significant extension and i I, given his lack of development offense i have no idea what that number is but like he's got millions riding on the line either way so i'm I'm excited for game five. I'm nervous. Uh, but I, I I will be thinking good thoughts and praying for the Joel and beats them.
0: Yeah, and it's funny is like Matisse has played a lot better on offense with Harden here, like he mm-hmm. just has. Mm-hmm. But one of the great questions that I've been pondering, like I've been like in mailbags in my conversations with people in radio stuff, like, what do you do with Matisse Steible?
1: Like, yeah,
0: like because there is a premium for versatile wings who are mm-hmm. defenders. What do you do with the guy? Just he's the, the guy just flat out can't shoot, he just cannot yeah. shoot. Um, what do you think the, a- the AAV is on him? I'm guessing it's 12 to 15 mil per year. Uh, I was gonna probably probably
1: in that range. I mean, like a couple years ago, I would have said like 10 to 12, but the cap is gonna go up significantly in the middle of the decade. So, I think. You know, agents know that already, and they're going to be pricing that in. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it's almost like you can't help but wonder if because of this whole vaccination thing, and they don't want to like change starting lineups midstream throughout the series. Like, did Matisse force them into their best starting five?
0: I was thinking that too. <laughs> that yeah, was, I, I, I like, every time the trade, I was like, why aren't they starting Danny Peel? Like. Peel the defenders to the corners. Go, yeah. f- go, you know, go four out, one in. Have them be run middle pick and rolls, spread the floor. You know, and 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 they went with Thybul. And as soon as the starting lineup came out of the game, the Sixers were toast. Every, yeah. again, in all the games that they lost. Um, but I would be very cautious about paying him. Like yeah. that's gonna be a that, that's gonna be a decision where you have multiple. Meetings amongst ownership, Daryl, Elton. If Doc's still here, Doc, like that is not an easy decision to make at all with what to do with his contract.
1: Yeah, if, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they let it roll into restricted free agency. But at the same time, if you do that, there are going to be a lot of teams going after that exact archetype. So you, I mean, it's it, you know this is the the challenge that all good teams face, and especially when you're built around like big threes or big fours your depth dries up and it's hard to pay everyone. So if you, you know, you are at this point, you've got to have a max penciled in for Tyrese maxi. Like if he continues on this trajectory, he is going to get a max contract next yeah. summer. Um, And, you know, his will, his will start when Tobias's end. But if you want to keep Tobias at a much smaller deal, presumably on uh, uh, the next round, or maybe you don't, but then you've got another gap to fill. So like, it's, it's gonna be a very interesting juggling act for Daryl Morey over these next couple seasons
0: yeah i just think it's like remember remember three years ago when tyree when when Thibold was shooting 47 percent from three uh, <laughs> what is nice. he made like, he made five in one game and everyone was like oh my god they found him they found, yeah. <laughs> they, found they found the guy but uh, it's funny you say like about, about the Tobias contract he signs for like eight million areas and we're like well everyone's way nicer to me now yeah. Well, <laughs> wait, what happened wait, wait, <laughs> yes that is correct that is exactly what would happen yeah. all right Brian I've kept you over an hour thanks so much for popping on tonight
1: of course anytime man uh, stepping back and stroking Bogdanovich yeah. thinking about a
0: three there it is yes no double team help and takes it right to the rack